The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. Welcome to the 173rd episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Maybe a little less so for me today, though, but welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Somewhat. I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me, as always, is my good buddy and friend, Floyd Johnson Jr. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Floyd. How are you doing today? Happy Thanksgiving, and as my friends know... I, 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 you know, I'm, I, I like to play in the mud a little bit. So if you're asking me how I'm doing, I am doing excellent. We're going to get to all of this, but yeah, I'm excited about, you know, being a glutton today, uh, National Gluttony Day. Uh, I'm excited about that. My friend Steve is in town visiting, which is cool. Um, yeah, uh, I I get to live in the Pitch Perfect world more because Bumper from Pitch Perfect has a show on uh, Peacock called Bumper in Berlin, which I didn't even know was coming in. So it was a nice surprise to find out just a moment ago. So I have a lot. To, I, I I just I'm just in a great mood. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a pig in slop, and and you know what? Uh, you know, I like Angry Austin. Uh, he's like my favorite. <laughs> he gets so he gets so excited when I get genuinely pissed off and I get on the show. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Angry Austin's my guy, and I also got Austin's Christmas present today, which I'm I'm very excited about that too. <laughs> I got Floyd's too. His is gonna come in the mail as well. So I'm very excited about that. We got Tiffany's birthday on lockdown. I can't let everybody in on that secret. But uh, yeah, it's just like this is my favorite time of year. I'm just happier. I watched a Netflix Christmas movie last night. It was starring uh, Amy Garcia and Freddie Prince Jr. It was really interesting because you know Freddie Prince has always played like regular, like oh, Caucasian characters. He's actually playing a Hispanic person, which few people know he's actually Hispanic. But uh, so it was kind of cool seeing that play, uh, seeing. How him play to that, and of course it was a Christmas movie, so it, you you pretty much knew how it was going to end, like within five minutes. I just want to see Freddie Prince Jr. cutting promos like he did on backstage. Yes, let's cut some promos. No, dude, yeah, he's like I like his idea of what wrestling, or like what he likes in wrestling. It would to me, it would be a different take. So I would be down with that. Uh, but ah, but let's talk. About, we're like, let's give everyone. The latest 
full, uh, latest full gear <clears throat> review that they're ever going to get. <laughs> yes, apologies for the late review. I've been unbelievably busy with this week. High school football championships are coming up, so I'm very much in the thick of everything. Um, and, of course, Thanksgiving, the holiday, and all that kind of stuff. We wanted to make sure we got you guys our full gear review. We are actually recording this the like the night after AEW Dynamite aired in Chicago, Illinois, at the Wintrust Arena. We are not going to be able to give you a full AEW Dynamite review until next week because I literally just got home from work. I've seen clips and I have seen bits, but I have not sat down and watched the entire show just yet. Um, so we will get that to you next week, and we had to get a full gear review out as soon as we could. Um, and I would have done it last last night, but I was up for 12 hours working, so it wasn't going to work out for me that day, unfortunately. But we have a full gear review for you. We'll get to Dynamite next week for the most part. There's a couple things we want to point out on news-related things, and of course, the thing you're probably expecting um, so we're going to get into everything real quick, but I want to show real quick, and then we can get into the thing. Uh, guys, make sure you download this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify, wherever you choose to listen to us, we really appreciate it if you would give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish, and also leave a rating and a review letting us know how we're doing. But if you guys want to support us in the simplest way possible, follow us on social media. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. Check out all the other shows they also have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. And Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. <clears throat> now, there's a lot that's happened in the last couple days. And it leads it a little bit into full gear. This will be a little bit spoilery with uh, our review. But we have to talk about the fact that people can't keep CM Punk's names out of their goddamn mouth. But here's the thing. So, of course, Full Gear happened, and the, one of the big stories going into it was that we were getting the return of the Elite back after being gone for a few months after the fallout from Brawl Out, and they were coming back to face off against Death Triangle for the Trios World Championships. And everyone was crazy excited. A little spoilery a bit in our review. They came out to carry on my wayward son by Kansas. Amazing. Love it. I read the Young Bucks book. I know that was a song that they had used before uh, when they were in backyard wrestling stuff. Lovely how that kind of thing comes around. And yeah, they got the biggest ovation of the night. It was huge. Uh, people were excited. And the show emanated from the, from the uh, Prudential Center in New Jersey. And within like the first, what, Floyd, like a minute 30, two minutes into this match, uh, we were bombarded with fuck CM Punk chants from the New Jersey AEW fans. Um, and I and I bet there, and I had... It's New Jersey. Come on. It's New Jersey, absolutely. But here's the thing. I knew people that were going to be like, are you upset about the chants? You paid your money. Like, you paid the, for the ticket. You chant whatever you want. If it's not racist, sexist, homophobic transphobic against people's religion like anything that's disparaging in that regard like i don't care if you don't like my guy i've said this a million times i am fine with it i understand why you wouldn't like him i just do and that's my personal belief and if you want to chant that you hate him or whatever the hell you want to do be my guest but the problem then stemmed on monday when being the elite returned 
And throughout the entire show, they were getting ready to get up to the point where, you know, you got the Cutler cam footage of behind the scenes footage from the pay-per-view. They were playing a song over top of it, like some sort of like almost like WWE 2K soundtrack theme or whatnot. And it was building and building and building until they got into the ring. And then the music cuts out and then they fly in and they film the crowd and they amplify and focus in and celebrate the fuck CM Punk chants on their YouTube channel. And originally that was all I was going to talk about before uh, Dynamite took place. But then things wanted to continue because in Chicago, it was a little split. You had fuck CM Punk chants from AEW fans because, listen, AEW in Chicago, Chicago is basically AEW's second home next to Jacksonville. So I really didn't think it was going to be like completely CM Punk home. Chicago was flat out their first home. Jacksonville only became a Excuse me. Only became a home because of COVID. But exactly. I mean, Chicago was at, home at that point. Chicago had gotten the most shows uh, up until the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. Now, so I was firmly like, you know what? It could go either way, honestly. And it, you had fuck CM Punk chance, and you had fuck the elite chance. And you, again, I don't care about chance at the end of the day unless they're like actively like being hateful, like in in a like outside of a we don't like you kind of way and then the problem continued to stem because kenny omega and the young bucks were taking shots during their match against death triangle because they have a seven-man series that is going on right now um we had kenny omega motioning for the go to sleep we had kenny omega hitting the go to sleep we had matt jackson mocking and recreating the punked botch lariat from double or nothing 2022 um, and then we also had uh, just them, again, joking in on it completely. So so I'm going to make this very, very simple for y'all. If this is a work and they're doing this on purpose to play into it and get heat and try to build this up for an inevitable CM Punk return, because at this point, this is so fucking on the nose it's like exactly like similar to what they were doing before the first dance leading up to it, where the young books were doing CM Punk signature moves and Darby Allen said best in the world in his promo and MJF referenced the pipe bomb promo in his like, this is so on the nose. We're on that level of shit. Like it's so obvious. So you have people being like, okay, well this has to lead now to a CM Punk return. And if it does, I want you to disregard everything that I say from this point forward. I want you to disregard everything I say because, again, I don't know. And people can be like, oh, I'm about to fly off the handle and you worked yourself into a shoot, brother. And you can go fuck yourself at this point because I'm tired of this. I really am. And I apologize ahead of time for being rude. But if this isn't a work and if Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are still holding on to this and still fueling this whole bullshit and twisting the knife and just playing into this consistently – what was that line that CM Punk said in the presser? I'm hurt. I'm old. I'm tired. What was that yeah, last part? And I, I work with fucking, fucking children. Because this is what this is to me right now. Outside of it being a work, it's childish and it's pathetic. And we literally have Kenny Omega just today on a Sports Illustrated story. I have the quotes right here. He says in the quotes... This isn't about the elite versus punk. You can boo us. You can boo punk. You can cheer us. You can cheer punk. Uh, We just want to create good wrestling. 
And then the other quote he said was, there are no thing. There are things that no one can talk about. So I'd encourage people to let it go. It doesn't change that we want a team effort in AEW. Though I cannot talk about it, I do know the fans. I want. I do want the fans to know. I still want the best for pro wrestling. So you say all that. You say for the fans to let it go, and then you're hitting the GTS on Dynamite, and then you're fucking doing the go to sleep motion on Dynamite, and then you're Matt Jackson's doing all of this. So if this isn't a work, and y'all are just doing this. To just stoke the flames of this bullshit. May I remind you that you're fucking EVPs. You are EVPs of this company. And even outside of you. We have Tony Khan on interviews and press conferences. And on media phone calls. Not even disparaging Punk. Even though he has every right to. He put all this money into Punk. His favorite wrestler at the time. Put the championship on his favorite wrestler. And then he kind of just spat in his face. Did Tony Khan say anything disparaging towards Punk? No. He said that he's done great things for AEW, and he's out here still defending Punk in regards to the rumors that he tried to get Colt Cabana fired, saying that they're not true. He never tried to get him moved to Ring of Honor. He never tried to not share a locker room with Colt Cabana. None of it was true. He said that in interviews. So we have the owner of the company not disparaging Punk, and then the three fucking EVPs are doing all this bullshit. It's pathetic. And I am so fucking sick of just coming all the way back to this all-out, brawl-out bullshit. I'm tired of it. Because what this is right now, and me and Floyd massively degree, disagree on this, this is a fucking black cloud and a black eye that has been hovering and has been on the company since All Out. And it, they haven't recovered from it. They just can't stop because it keeps getting brought up. And they're trying to move on from it. You literally have the point where CM Punk's merchandise, his live event merchandise, exclusively live event merchandise, is being sold on shop.com to get rid of the remaining stock so they can move on from it. That's actively happening right now. So if that's the case and this isn't a work and Punk isn't coming back, which I still believe is the main thing right now, like y'all won. You got everything you wanted. He's now off the cover of the video game. He's in the process of getting bought out. His merch is being sold until there's nothing left so they can move on. He's gone. So why are we still talking about this? Why is this still a thing? Why are you pushing this shit still? Why are you continuing to deal with this bullshit? Even when Omega is out here saying in interviews, fans, let it go. Well, if that's the case, Omega, you clearly fucking haven't. I don't want to hear, oh, but it was Chicago. AEW and Chicago are hand-in-hand. Hand. They work together in that regard. Chicago is AEW country just as much as it is punk country. They could have just walked by it regardless and been like, we didn't want to comment on it because to us, Chicago is AEW's home. We don't care about punk. We're not about punk right now. You didn't have to focus on this, but you did, and you made it all about this, and People will be like, oh, well, it was responding to what Punk said on CFFC. What did Punk actually say on CFFC, the videos that have been floating around this past couple weeks? What did he say? The first thing he said was, I'm excited for the fights, and tonight I'm not going to do that. Self-deprecating. Then the second thing, oh, you don't want me, I'm bad for a locker room. Self-deprecating. And his play-by-play -play guy what made the joke, don't let him on any, any press conferences. Omega, the Bucks, the Elite, Khan, AEW, none of it was mentioned. And then meanwhile, we got Kenny in the middle of the ring doing Punk's finishing moves. We got Matt Jackson making fun of the Punk botched lariat. 
Like, this is pathetic. It's tiresome. And again, it's just continuing to split the fan base. It's no longer a thing where the where the tribalism is between AEW and WWE fans. It's AEW diehards and CM Punk diehards that are going at it. And I want to remind y'all, I'm in the middle of all this. I'm not just some guy that's trying to defend all this because it's Punk. If this was any other wrestler, like say, throw Sammy Guevara. Say this involves Sammy Guevara. I'd still be pissed at the elite for doing this. I've been here since fucking day one. Since All In, since before All In, when they were doing tours on Ring of Honor in New Japan. It's not like a situation where I jumped on the bandwagon at, at after, after fucking the first dance. That is not how this works. So I don't even try to say that that's the case. I'm genuinely fucking pissed off about this, and I want y'all to know this. And if it's a work, fine, I look like a dickhead because I bought into it. Whatever. I don't care at this point. I'm just so done with this. I want to focus on the wrestling. I want to focus on the shows. I want to talk about full gear. I want to talk about the great matches that we saw at full gear. I want to talk about the new champions that we have. I want to talk about all of this, but I can't. I also can't talk about it because a cat just walked in. I can't talk about any of this because all this bullshit still continues to float around this company like a fucking plague. And I'm so done with it. Like, if y'all are trying to make money out of this and you finally made up with it, perfect. I'm great. I just want this to be done. I want Punk to be happy, and I want AEW to keep thriving. I don't care anymore about the situation because it's clearly been settled at this point. They sided with the elite. Punk is on the way out. I get it. I'm not disparaging the fact that they have a reason to be pissed off. But you are EVPs. Act like fucking adults. It's that simple. And I say this as somebody as lo who loves Kenny Omega, who loves the Young Bucks, who have met them on multiple occasions I've met these guys. I love these guys. I want them to knock it the fuck off. I'm so sick of this shit. Floyd, go ahead, man. So, I, I feel your pain, but I'm sitting here with a huge smile on my face. Because the type of emotion that this is brought out of you is exactly why this is going to work in the end. People are so in love with the elite and AEW, me being me included. I don't have to list stuff I've done with AEW because everyone knows it at this point, especially if you're listening to this show. Uh, CM Punk was there for his first world title cash in on Edge. Because it happened in Oklahoma City. Diehard CM Punk fan. I am. I'm both. Diehard AEW fan. Diehard CM Punk fan. But my side from this, except when I'm joking, because I do joke a lot, you know, like, it's all the elite's fault, you know, or it's all Hangman's fault. I joke a lot, right? But my side has been this. These gentlemen should grow the fuck up and turn this into money. That has always been my stance. I don't feel like it's a middle stance. I feel like it's a above stance. I am a pro Tony Khan. I'm on Tony Khan's side. Let's fucking turn this into money. I am on the fan side. I believe many different ways, many people smarter than me, that the elite versus CM Punk and whoever decides to side with CM Punk played out over a year could literally either be main event or be a big match in every paper every pay-per-view, of course, except Forbidden Door door. But for your four AEW centric pay-per-views, they could be a main event every time for those. And it could play out and be major parts of your show over a year. And it can be 
what AEW needs to take another step up. Because passion, the words, they, how they came out of your mouth, everything they came out of your mouth, passion. There are passionate CM Punk fans. There are passionate elite fans. And because of that passion, this the elite could cheat, CM Punk could cheat, whatever. It wouldn't matter. There would be no like real heels and faces. It would just be a beautiful thing. And everybody knows I like to play in the mud. So tonight, ooh, tonight, tonight and Sunday, boy, or uh, tonight and Saturday, oh, your boy was a fig and slop. Oh, God, I was so happy. I was giddy. Oh, my God, deleting and deleting Kenny Omega playing it up. You're in effing Chicago. You're in Chicago, Illinois. Chicago, home of CM Punk. A lot of ways, home, birthplace, and home of AEW. You had F CM Punk, F the Elite. The Elite got booed on the own show. They got booed on all things Elite on their second match back. CM Punk got booed in Chicago. He is a God in Chicago, the second city savior. Oh my God, it felt so good. It was just like warm, perfectly warm water just washing over my body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, oh God, I was in heaven. It was great. And I was like, it was like, because I just love wrestling. Perfect line of wrestling is when soap opera meets athletic performance you give me great soap operas with great matches oh my god that is it for me that is the 50 50 that is my venn diagram that is whatever other term that there is even if i didn't use one of those right that is it give me new japan wrestling with wwe uh soap opera perfect wrestling that that could be AEW right now. So we're in this situation. We we have the pay-per-view and we have the night. And yes, if this is not leading anywhere, I 150% agree with Austin. This is the dumbest, most childish shit ever if it's not leading somewhere. But everything in my soul knows that it is. And it may be wrong, but I know that I'm not. This is going where everybody thinks it's going, and it's about to be great, and it's about to be amazing. The only thing we're waiting on, and people are like, oh, you know, they picked the lead over the Punk. Not really. Punk's, Punk is hurt. He couldn't be on the show. He wouldn't be on the show anyway. He can't wrestle. So, of course, you're going to bring the lead back because Punk is hurt. Oh, but when Punk comes back, oh, when Punk comes back. Whether it be in Chicago or San Francisco or Las Vegas or wherever it is. Ooh. I feel like it has to be Chicago when it happens. But let's just say it's somewhere else. Man, let's say it's San Francisco, Los Angeles or whatever. Dude, he's got to come in and he's got to strike hard. And it's got to be Team Punk versus Team Elite. 
That's what we need. That is what AEW needs. Could AEW be successful without this? I want to be very clear. Yes. There are many paths to success and many paths to greatness. I truly believe the quickest path to greatness is through one of your biggest name stars in your biggest name group. We had to get here somehow. And whether it's work, shoot, or however we get there, it doesn't matter. Let's go get this money. Because it's out there. CM Punk shirts criticizing the elite. Elite shirts criticizing CM Punk. Once you get Hangman back in it, there is so much that can be done with this. It is such a, it's almost a universe inside of AEW that you can do with this. And it never has to be about the world title. Could it be better if it is? Yeah, but it never has to be. Never has to be about the world title. And if you do it straight, Punk's only working pay-per-views and big dynamite matches. He's working six times a year. Because you get him a little group around him that he doesn't have to work all the time. And you build it. And you take, you know, because his body apparently can't really keep up with it anymore. But if you insulate him with other talent, oh my God, it could be magical. It could be magical. Maybe I'm describing Shangri-La. Maybe I'm going out. Maybe I'm fantasy booking. Maybe I'm doing all this stuff and I never get any of this. But let me ask you this important question. What if I do? What if I do? That's all I have to say on it. No, it's that simple. I mean, again, <clears throat> Floyd's 100% right in that regard. Because if this is leading to that, and we're finally going to make money out of this situation, and we're going to fucking get over ourselves and do what's right and just be adults and just make business happen and do all these great things and put on these great feuds and matches and everything like that, then it's wonderful. It'll be amazing. But at the same time, again, could very well be the case. But with with I'm sorry, I and this is the most disrespectful thing I'm gonna say. With the Young Bucks, I would not even flinch if it was the opposite. If they were just being petty children for the sake of being so. Because let's be fair, they've done this most of their entire career. Where they poke fun at Meltzer, or they poke fun at Cornette, or they poke fun at Triple H and all the types of things, or fucking all the things people said about them. And that's the thing. It was fine then because you were wrestlers. You are executive fucking vice presidents now. So if this isn't a work, I expect so much better than better of you. Maybe I'm wrong for thinking that way, but I genuinely expect better of you if that's the case because you should be better than that. And again, this AEW doesn't have to be about this. If they choose to be about this and they actively have made things better between both parties and we can do things about it, then this is going to be huge. But if we're not down that road and if everything that I've seen leading up to this point and being removed off the cover of the video game, his live event exclusive merch being put up on shop until they sell out of stock, if him no longer being on television, him almost being, pardon my language, but being Benoit from AEW programming. Like, if all of that, to me, looks like he's out the door, you can at least see where I'm coming from in that regard. But if I'm being worked 
okay, whatever. At this point, I really don't care. Because I said, I came to peace with Punk's year that he gave me. Best year of wrestling in my life. I can never forgive, for, uh, thank him enough for that. It was amazing. And I'm fine if he's done. Because honestly, if he's not able to get healthy, if he's getting to the point where his age has become a problem, I don't care anymore. If he comes back, amazing. I'll be, I'll be just excited and be right there to fucking be there for the first match back. Whatever. But this shit's just so tiring because the, the, the conversations around this is toxic as fuck and annoying as shit. And it, uh, like, I just want it, like, it needs to either go away or resolve itself. Like, I'm, Dude. I can't deal with this every week from and this point onward. I think perception is a big thing on this because you, 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 you see it all and you get angry. And I see the passion, and all I think is dollar signs, dollar signs, dollar signs. Everybody's so angry about this, and it's amazing because people are feeling real emotion about this. And that's what you need is real emotion. That is what drives wrestling. Like in the Attitude Era, when people hated their bosses. And Stone Cold was every, every worker. And Vince McMahon represented everybody's boss. And when he finally stunned them, the world went crazy because of that emotion that they felt. It was like a, a real emotion played out. So when you're dealing with the punk and the elite, and you got these people that have amazingly passionate fan bases. Dude, Lord, CM Punk chants for seven years at wrestling shows until he finally came back. The elite fucking built a revolution and a company based on their passionate fan base. And you're going to have those fan bases go against each other. Even if you're, let's say you're outside looking in, even though you're the mythical casual fan, just watching these two fan bases going at each other, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a great watch. And let's just say you're me and you, right? And we're, we're very much in the middle, right? Because we are passionate CM Punk fans and we're passionate Elite fans, right? I have yes. just as many Young Buck shirts as I have CM Punk shirts, right? I'm I like, can't, I can't, I can't complete that question, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm like, I'm looking, I'm literally looking at my wall and I have three sets of signed Young Bucks figures on my wall right now, right next to my FTR stuff. And I got every chair. The reason I won't sell any chair that I got from Double or Nothing uh, 20, what have I been, uh, from uh, All Out 21 to Double or Nothing 22 is because those are the punk chairs. That's how passionate I am. I have been offered stupid amounts of money for these chairs. And I've said no, because those are the punk chairs. And I love punk. And one day, when he's doing C2E2, I'm going to walk in there with four chairs and a bunch of other shit and have CM Punk sign all of it. That's, that's the passion that these two groups bring out of you. The fire that they bring out of you. Oh, my God. F CM Punk, F the Elite, music to my ears. You don't understand. I am going to go to bed in the morning because I work overnight. So I'm going to go to bed in the morning dreaming. F CM Punk, F the Elite. Oh, God, this is going to be amazing because I can't wait to be in that crowd. And it's just so 
Yeah. It's just so funny how you and me are just on the complete opposite yeah, ends of all this. Where it's just like I'm either like either show up or stop doing it. Like is my mindset. No, oh no, like, tease I'm, it. I'm so tired. Tease it, then stop teasing it. And the moment you stop teasing it, that's when CM Punk should show up. <sighs> I, I hate, like, regardless, I hate all of this. I, I hate and all I, of I, this, I, I and I just you. want. I want because again, like I said, I just know what and people yours, are like around all. You are yours is a sane reaction to all of this, sir. Yours is a very sane reaction. But when yeah. I, and I, and to, I when it comes to wrestling, I like to live in the insane. Yeah. <laughs> well, and again, I know people are gonna look at me being like, "You're just mad about this because they're attacking your guy." Again, if it was any other AEW wrestler or any other wrestler that was being put in the same position that Punk is, I would still think the way that the elite are acting are fucking childish. It's that simple. It's not a punk situation. It's a, I know the, I enjoy Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks so much that I want them to be better than this. That simple. And it, like, again, if I bought into the shoot, cool. Poke fun at me, whatever you want to do. I really don't fucking care at this point. But I'm done. I'm off my horse. I move on from this point and Hopefully this either goes away or gets resolved or whatnot. I, don't, I just don't care anymore. But let's just get in to the show itself uh, for full gear that took place this past Saturday. Um, we opened up with the zero hour matches, which first had uh, the six man tag match, the eight man tag match. I apologize between Orange Cassidy, Best Friends. Actually, no, it was a ten man tag. Was it? Yeah, no, it was a ten man tag because uh, it was Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, Trent Beretta, Rocky Romero. And Danhausen, who came out as Evo Danhausen against the factory, QT Marshall, Nick Camarado, Aaron Solo, Lee Johnson, and Cole Carter. Um, and this was a little cool thing, honestly. Again, we all love to see the QT and his boys get dicked on because the factory are awful. Um, and Danhausen actually being able to wrestle a little bit. Um, it was lovely to see. Uh, he had his jar of teeth at one point and threw it down Camarado's throat mouth. And um, kicked him in the mouth with it, and Danhausen got the pinfall win on it. It was good to see that we finally got to see Danhausen in a physical mat, uh, style, and I'm glad that they still use him the way that they should be using him. Uh, they have done a really good job of making sure they navigate it the same sort of way as they did Orange Cassidy, and they're being very patient with it. Um, and this was a cool little like fun moment uh, for the opening of Zero Hour. All right, so. I'm going to rewind a little bit, just to rewind. This is definitely on topic. So everything was in New Jersey. Rampage was in New Jersey. I was in the show for Rampage. I forgot. Yeah, we have to mention the fact that Floyd was there for this entire weekend, too. So, so he had an amazing So the coolest thing happened. Uh, I don't even know if he listens to the show, but I am a fan of a tag team and friends with the tag team called TSF. They traded, uh, trained at the Nightmare Factory. Uh, big shot. Hunter Knott and Rosario Grillo, yes, and uh, Grillo all happens to work for AEW. So whenever I'm at a show, I always like to just say hi, get a little hug, you know, go about my business, right? Try not to interrupt his life too much because he's a very busy man. Well, so I'm sitting in the crowd and I'm like texting him what section I'm in to say, hey, if you're not too busy, come by, say hi, right? So I'm sitting there and it's, it's, uh, they're about to start taping dark. And they're like, oh, the first match is up. Who comes walking down the ramp? My boys, Rosario Grillo and Dean Alexander. To I only, not only do I get to see my friends, 
they are actually going to perform and I get to see them wrestle. And I'm like, I'm like waving like crazy. I know I'm an idiot. Forgive me, Grillo. Forgive me, Alex Dean. I was like, I was like waving like an idiot because I didn't know it was about to happen. I literally just sent the text. And then they came out and they wrestled and I was happy. It was a special happy uh, moment for our boy Rosario because Rosario is from, well, excuse me, he was born in New York, raised in New Jersey. He has been to sporting events there. He graduated college in the Prudential Center. That's where his graduation was. So he went from all of that to actually wrestling in the Prudential Center. That is awesome. And I got to be there for it. That's his moment. I'm glad he had to, uh, got to have it. If you follow him on Twitter, I believe it is at Rosario Grillo. Let me make sure. And he let, he put out a message because I posted a few of the pics up and um and it was just like yeah no it's at Argrillo TSF at Argrillo TSF and he uh, talked about make sure you're following him and uh, he talked about how that meant um uh, so much to him and it that, that was just such a cool and awesome moment right so I thought about that and that was cool and I was like. You know, last week I was I was a little angry. I was pissing vinegar about uh old uh, FTR not being on the show anywhere, and how QT Marshall and his crew were on the show, right? So I thought that was really cool that they booked Gorilla to work in New Jersey. Guess who I forgot is also from New Jersey? <laughs> QT Marshall. So again, Prudential Center in his home state. Probably with his family in the crowd, QT Marshall gets the. I like. I have no idea if they were actually in the crowd. Don't quote me on that. I I don't know his situation, but he gets to perform in his home state. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not as angry that you're on the card as I was before because you know you got to perform there and it was a, it was a fun match. Now I can't say I got worked into a shoot because I'm like, uh, I got worked into a shoot because. You know, there was this whole thing uh, that they were going to have mystery porn and it poured teeth down. And I don't know about the many different uh, versions of Danhausen. I just know Danhausen, right? And I was like, why would they say it's going to be a mystery wrestler and then tell you it's clearly Danhausen? So it's going to be anyone else but Danhausen. I was guessing all sorts of names. And then the mystery guest came out and it was just painted up evil then it was like so he is uh you know uh what is it what is it uh very nice very, very evil. evil but this dan housing is just very evil that's why he had the teeth and he poured them in yes. the mouth. he was just very evil it's I, basically what he used to do but what he used to do before he became a sort of comedy wrestler i did not know that that existed like at all because i mean again i don't know dan housing lore but it was very entertaining. I love how they did it. Uh, okay. I mean, if you're going to have a factory on TV, hey, whatever, your choice. Where's my go-go? Where's my go-go? The Greek god Anthony Agogo. Where is he? Yeah, he got kind of got dumped. Yeah, he's just gone. I miss him punching people in the gut and putting the flag over him. Where's my Anthony Agogo? I'm probably the only person sitting up here like, I miss Anthony Agogo. I really <laughs> do miss Anthony Agogo. I've like literally never heard anybody else say it. Anthony Gogo wants to work. Look at him. 
<laughs> it's like, why is he not working? Why is he not knocking people out? Whatever. That's beside the point. Very entertaining opening match. Crowd was really into it. Huge pop for Dan Housen, even though everybody knew it was going to be Dan Housen, which I think AEW, I have to give them credit where credit's due. They're the only person that could pull off a surprise where everybody knows what the surprise is and people still pop for the surprise, even though everyone knew what the surprise was. That's pretty dope. So Absolutely. Um, we had a backstage interview where we actually announced officially that Konosuke Takeshita is officially All Elite. They announced him as the new member of All Elite Wrestling. Um, he said he's going to move to America, basically fighting for his life at AEW. Huge, exciting moment for sure. Super um, wholesome because Dax offered him a place to stay. Said, come live with me and my wife. We have pretty in room. <laughs> Dax is a class act, dude. He that, really is. That's good, dude. Dude, good, dude. Yeah. We then had the World Title Eliminator Tournament semifinal. So basically, because we found out later on that the Ethan Page-Ricky Starks match uh, got moved. Uh, so that wasn't going to happen like normal. So we got Brian Cage versus Ricky Starks with the winner facing Ethan Page on Dynamite in Chicago. Um, and this was fine. I think this was a fine enough uh, 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 zero-hour match. I didn't really think too much about it, but I was like, you know what? This is cool. I think I, I got no problems with it. And then uh, Ethan uh, Brian Cage it got pinned by Ricky Starks after the uh, Rochambeau. And uh, yeah, it was... Um, Right guy won, so now we get Ricky. We were we would get Ricky Starks versus Ethan Page, which we were I believe we were supposed to get for the show, but we didn't. Yeah, uh, I don't know how many people would agree with this, but I am of the opinion that Brian Cage is incapable of having a bad match. I know you've always talked up and down about Brian Cage and like yeah. how he's just consistently good. Yeah, win, lose, whatever. This spot is perfect for someone like Brian Cage. Big guy beating up on the little guy, and the little guy guy has to overcome it. It's amazing. His first match in the tournament was the big guy versus the little guy, and the little guy couldn't overcome it. And it, I just think it's a perfect way. I just think anytime you, you like, I'm looking at like Rampage, and it's like, oh, most of the time it's missed. I'm like, just put Brian Cage on him and give him 20 minutes. It doesn't matter who's on the other side. He's going to entertain you. I literally saw him on the boat on the Jericho cruise come out. You know, people drunk, happy, or whatever. No one's paying attention to the match, right? And he starts doing his thing in about a minute and a half, like everybody stops drinking and just stops, just starts watching what this man does because he's just such a freak of nature. There's the spot where, you know, it kicks and stuff and then it goes into the Canadian destroyer. Oh my God. That Canadian destroyer was out of this world. Not many people his size could pull that off. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I still think, um, Cage can do some good things in AEW if they end up using him a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, no, this was, I think I say, I thought this was fine enough. We closed out Zero Hour, though, the best possible way we could. Jun Akiyama going up against Eddie Kingston. Loved this. The, uh, this was my favorite match of Zero Hour, personally. And then the best part, too, I mean, after the match was over, when he got the, when Eddie got the win over uh, Akiyama, was him selling the shit out of the show in the moments that he had as, as long as he could go until. Uh, Ortiz looked over at him and he's like, I'm out of time. I gotta go. Like, shit was so funny. And, like, I love Eddie. Like, he's just so pro AEW with all this stuff and will bust his ass and stuff like that. And he got to wrestle a guy that he really looks up to in Akiyama. And they killed the fuck. They killed this match. I thought this was a really good uh, match that would definitely be like a, hey, 
uh, buy the pay-per-view through sort of thing. Um, yeah, no, I, I, can't, I can't say enough good things about this, this match for sure. Uh, so, Excalibur, the expert at the rundown. But I think you got five times a year there are pay-per-views, right? Those five times a year, the five times a year, Mr. Eddie Kingston should do the rundown to the pay-per-view. I, yeah, I just think he would sell so many more. He would sell so much. He would. Yes, but dude, uh, Eddie, remember Eddie Kingston's cut promos on P, on, on Candy before, and like he should absolutely, absolutely be that guy to be like, yo, buy this shit. Yeah, what are you waiting for? Yeah, uh, June Akiyama, the guy, and Eddie Kingston. I mean, again, can we do Eddie Kingston versus Brian Cage? Because it'll be two people that can't have bad matches. Eddie Kingston. It's so funny. In this world of Canadian Destroy, there's Hurricane on the super kicks, right? That dude could punch, kick, and throw a body slam and put on the most entertaining 10 minutes. And, you know, he throws, you know, he throws, he'll throw Exploder in there. And he can do that for 10 minutes and just put on the most entertaining match. In a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, he reminds me of Stone Cold as far as their fighting style. It's just, you know, it's, it's strike heavy. But he sells and he makes it mean something. And Jun Akiyama, of course, you know, for the most part, um, and we are sad to say, most people did not know who he was at, at uh, in that at that location. But by the end of the match, based on Eddie Kingston and his promos, they knew to respect him. They knew to honor him. They knew that he put his body on the line for wrestling, and that was done by Eddie. And it was like a lot of people went that night and Googled Jun Akiyama got very familiar with that man and probably became fans of him. So shout out to Eddie Kingston. He is a master of his craft. I don't know if he'll ever be AEW world champion or any title in there, but that moment he does, if he ever does, will be probably my favorite moment in AEW history, not including Cody or FTR, of course. But yeah, he's a, he's also a historian too. You can just tell from the way that he talks about all this stuff. So yeah, it's yeah. I got nothing but love for Eddie. It's one of those people that he might love wrestling too much. I, I get told that on football for myself. Like when we're like really breaking down football and I can get into the the uh, grind of breaking down, you know, how a team plays and all that stuff. And I'm like, you know, they'll be like, dude, you care too much. They, you know, most people just care about the score, but you know. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, we get into the main show, which opened up with the steel cage match between Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Um, and we had, uh, Jungle Boy just going right after Luchasaurus when he could, but eventually, though, Jungle Boy was getting thrown into the cage repeatedly, they were beating the shit out of him, uh, and then Christian Cage then at one point stole the cage keys, um, from referee Mike Posey, however, uh, they, uh, they noticed it and threw, uh, Cage back into the locker room and tossed him out. Um, eventually though, when the doors were open, uh, there was just a brawl going outside of the, uh, outside onto the arena floor. Um, however, then like, again, he jacks going into the cage. Once again, he got thrown through a table, uh, and through the cage door back into the ring. Like this, like there was just all this types of shit that was happening. But eventually though, as he keeps going, he keeps going. Um, Jungle Boy ends up hitting uh, a steel chair on the Luchasaurus at one point. He climbs to the top of the cage and has Luchasaurus on a table, jumps off, elbow top, el- elbow drop off of the table. 
Um, it was a little bit of a weak table spot, but at least the thing broke. Because, I mean, if it didn't break, then it would have been a bit of a problem. But, I mean, it broke. Not convincingly, but it broke. So, uh, But then the snare trap was locked in. Luchasaurus taps out. Uh, and Jungle Boy wins this match. Uh, and I thought this was good. This isn't the best cage match that AEW's had, but it was a good cage match, I think. I think uh, the fun part of like having Christian Cage trying to steal the, the keys, I thought, was entertaining. Um, and I think Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy work really well together. Um, and I think this was definitely the right uh, match to open things up with. You get the big, uh, one of the big, uh, and I think this was yeah, the one and only gimmick match or whatnot. And you get it out of the way first uh, to get people excited because the cage is always hanging over. Um, and yeah, I think, I think this was the right match to start things off with. And I think it did the job right. So I personally think this is the best one-on-one match, one-on-one uh, cage match in AEW. I really? I, dis- I disagree. What would you say was a better one? The Cody one. The Cody and Warlow? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't feel like... No, I, I, dude, I felt like this like blew that out the water. And I, you know how much Fair I love enough. Cody. No, like, it was just like... I, I remember talking about... Uh, I do have an important question. Can the first match on the card steal the show? Sometimes. Because that's what I felt like in this one. I just felt like I, I, I said before that it was my sleeper match. And it literally hit on every point that I thought it should hit on. Uh, you can, like I said, I, I, I imagine Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus have known each other for over 10 years. That they've put this match, booked this match in so many different ways that and I felt like, you know, other than that table spot, everything else went off perfectly. And I just thought it was just a beautifully done match. The blood, the guts, it just reminded me of a, you know, a cage match for me growing up. It was just like, it was violent. There was an actual issue. It wasn't just a cage for the sake of a cage. This was a true blood feud that ended in blood. And, you know, if he went through the table and pinned him, that would have been great. But I love the added fact, because the table didn't break or whatever, I don't know if, I didn't know how the ending was supposed to go down, that he did put him in the snare trap. Because guess what? It wasn't about beating Luchasaurus. It was about hurting Luchasaurus. It was about dominating Luchasaurus. It was about getting Luchasaurus out the way so he can go after Christian. The tap out, the submit... That drives that message home. I just thought there was so much just beautiful imagery through this over uh, Jungle Boy's climb to from being a boy to a man, from Jungle Boy who would pick stuff out of people's hair to Jack Perry. I just thought it was told amazingly. I went five stars, five stars on this match. And I really, yeah, I really was like really into it. Dave was sitting next to me. I just thought this match slapped. I had... I had it was a two five star match night, and this was the first. And you can imagine what the second one was. Yes. Then there was the World Trios Championship match. Like I said, we already commented on the the chance and all that kind of stuff on it. But again, this this to me, <clears throat> it really was the best match on the show. All fucking six of these men just knocked it out of the park with their wrestling. Um, and again, it's still great to see the elite back in the ring. Cause I mean, AEW just doesn't feel the same without them there. Um, <clears throat> and they were working really great. So many great moves, fucking just a vicious DDT on the apron onto 
from Phoenix, uh, I mean, to Phoenix from Matt Jackson. Um, <clears throat> Pack was getting triple teamed, like the great triple team moves from the Death Triangle, all different kinds of things. Eventually, though, it leads into the point in the match, because again, I can't comment on all, all the moves because there are so many. Uh, it leads into a point, though, when uh, Pack uh, gets the hammer over to Ray Phoenix. He doesn't want to use it. Uh, Kenny, he, he Ray Phoenix nearly loses the match after getting hit with a V trigger and the Tiger Driver in '98, but he kicks out. Eventually, though, some great moves right there from a uh, uh, Death Triangle. But then Ray Phoenix got hit with the BTE trigger. Pack gets handed that has the hammer once again. He went to go hit Omega with it, but he gets super kicked. And Kenny Omega has Ray Phoenix uh, with a V trigger, though. Pack immediately puts the hammer in Ray's hand one more time. Ray Phoenix goes up as Omega looks for the one winged angel. And Ray Phoenix finally uses the hammer, rolls up Kenny Omega, and Death Triangle retains their trios championship, which gave me a little bit of catharsis for that night. Just a little bit. Um, but it was huge. It was a huge moment right there. Of Phoenix actually listening and agree doing what Pac uh, asked him to do, and he was beside himself as uh, Excalibur said, like it's not how he wanted to win, it's not how Penta wanted to win, but they won. And Pac was all like, "See what you've done, look at your work, all this kind of stuff." I was like, you know, that's the way the bastard would absolutely take this, this situation. It was great. I still think this was the best match on the card, and I'd love to just continue to talk about how well the match was progressed and all that kind of stuff. If all this other bullshit, we didn't have Kenny Omega on fucking Dynamite's biting pack, like like he's fucking making with the way he's making fun of a steal in the whole situation. Like I, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the wrestling. That's just me. Yeah, I want to. Floyd, talk, go ahead. Yeah, I want to talk about all of it. But yeah, this was my second five star match of the night. <laughs> Again, amazing match. Just back to back. Yeah, the story. Uh, the story that they were telling about Ray Phoenix's reluctance to cheat. And, you know, he got put up in the one-wing angel, and the story was straight up, no one kicks out a one-wing angel. He knew if he went down to the one-wing angel, he wasn't getting up. Kenny Omega has literally beat him with the one-wing angel in his time at AEW. So in that desperation, you sh men show who they really are. Show, whom show him who you really are. Phoenix. Hammer to the head. I loved it. And then the elite lost. And I was like, whoa. I was going I was crazy. glad you were cheering as if I was there too. Yeah, I was like, whoa, that's what they get. That's what they get back on the line. You know, I was really excited in the moment. I was like literally the only one. <laughs> Dave was looking at me like, I'm fucking nuts. Cause I'm not no, I know Dave. I saw Dave tweet that at me and I was just like, my boy. Yes. Like I like, I am going crazy. Like, whoa, that's what you get. Go that triangle. Yeah, baby. Triangle. De la Marte. Yes, baby. Yeah. I was very excited. I was pumped up. Yeah. You know, you know, Hey, to, uh, get different results. You got to do different actions. Good job, Ray Phoenix, stepping up, being a man, putting the hammer down, literally. There you go. We then had the TBS championship match between Jade Cargill. I'm sorry, I mean Chitara from goddamn Thundercats. Fucking love that cosplay. So, Facing off against the native beast, Nyla Rose, who comes out in the lowrider. So, 
I got like I got some problems with this interest before we get to the match. First of all, Chitara, I couldn't tell like live and seeing it. I was like, what the fuck is she? Is she like I thought she was like Phoenix Jane Gray. I was like, and then when I, I that was actually that was actually my original thought too. But then I saw like the the orange jump that she, like almost jumpsuit that she had. And I'm like, oh, Thundercats. Yeah. So I then saw the full picture like from a video feed, and I was like, oh, Chitara. It was like immediate. Uh, it was like immediate, and it, what's cool is a couple weeks ago, she literally put out a tweet asking for suggestions. I actually saw the tweet where someone said Chitara, and she was like, who is that? And literally got more information about it and decided on wearing it. Literally fan oh, interaction in I her gear. I thought she just liked the show. No, literally fan interaction in her gear, which is That's so sick. which is so cool. So N- Nyla's entrance... Shout out to Vicky Guerrero, rocking the Rhea Ripley shirt. I'm your mommy. Love it. Yeah. Shout out it. to Nyla. I'm uncomfortable with I'm uncomfortable with Marina Shafir dressing like a chola. I, <laughs> I, 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 I saw and like at first because she looks so completely different from her. I was like, she oh, does. so so they they just got this chick dressed as a chola. I just and I was like, Dave's like that's Marina Shafir, and I was like. What? Hmm. I don't know how comfortable I am with this. <laughs> I don't know if there's a problem. You know, she's with Vicky, so that's kind of a cosign. Uh, I don't know. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. I was looking at David, and I was like, I said it like three times. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Are we okay with this? <laughs> Are we okay with this? <laughs> I'm like, okay, we're okay with it. Then I, I looked on social media. I literally brought up the internet to see if anybody was going to have a problem with it. And we had a couple comments, and I was like, okay, they saw what I saw. Yeah, then it went nowhere. I'm not a person that tries to start anything, so you know what? I minded my own damn business. But I wasn't comfortable <laughs> with it at first. All right, now talk about the match there. Yeah, the match itself I thought was pretty good. I thought uh, Nyla did a good job of like kind of like again this this match had a really bad spot. Like the first two matches were so high octane that these two girls unfortunately got a really bad spot. But they still made the most out of it. I felt like uh, Nyla was doing a good amount of work of just really giving Jade a lot of uh, offense that she had to like recover from. Uh, eventually, though, at some point, Nyla tries to hit a senton. Jade gets out of the way. The pump kick gets hit, and then the jaded gets hit. Um, in fact, one point Nyla tried to hit the jaded on on Jade. In fact, uh, but Nyla yeah, would then get both hit each center. other's finishers on each other. So yeah, was I was gonna say of... yeah, because she hit a senton on him. Uh, but uh, oh, and she went for the beast bomb too. Yeah, um, but eventually though, Nyla would get pinned in the center of the ring. TBS champion still Jade Cargill remains undefeated. Um, and yeah, I thought this was fine. I thought this was good. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see like, again, like, you know, like where, what's the pathway we go on now for the TBS championship? Because right now, the only thing I know that Jade is doing for the foreseeable future is beefing with Bow Wow. That's all I know at this point, which, Hey man, that's fine with me. It's entertaining at least a little bit. The video that they, that came out from his meet and greet was funny. Um, but I kind of would like to know exactly who's going to be going after that title, at least in my opinion. But uh, I thought this was, like I said, I thought this was, this was pretty good. 
So this is not an original thought. Uh, I heard it listening to the recap of the show from Joe Lane's own Voices of Wrestling. I like to cite my sources if I take someone's thought because I thought it was a really good way. Jade is an attraction, right? She yes. she looks like a million bucks. She has a, some cool moves. She has the baddies. She has a banger entrance. She does the cosplay. Is she ever going to be a great professional wrestler? Is she ever going to blow your mind away with amazing professional wrestlers? I'm going to say this. He, of course, said no. I'm going to say this. This woman, I respect and admire everything that she does so much. I'm never going to limit what she can do. But right now, she's an okay wrestler. And yes. it was a, oh, and when she works with stuff by people better than her, they turn out to be better matches. When she works with somebody on her level or whatever, they're like, this match was what it was. It, it, it was what it was. Was it a great match? No. But it established Jay in her continued dominance. And whenever they find that woman to that is going to end the streak, it's going to be one of the greatest moments in storylines. I have an idea of who it should be, and we will talk about it after her match later. But as of right now, I have... Yeah, I really enjoy Jade. Like, like I never come out of Jade match be like I didn't enjoy her. She is just, she is a spectacle. I'm like, I, 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 she could stand next to Almost, and I wouldn't even know Almost is there. That's how much she controls the attention of a room. She takes all the attention when she walks into a room for sure. Yeah, absolutely. We move over now to the Ring of Honor World Championship match between Jericho, Brian Danielson. The Spanish God, Sammy Guevara, and Claudio Castagnoli. Um, another great match on this show. Um, I ate so much excitement and just tense abilities of just getting you on your feet. Sammy Guevara out here really like changing, almost like changing people's minds about him and like in a split second with all this type of stuff because he just comes in and he does all of his shit and even people who hate him because he was the biggest heel of this entire match, no question about it. And he, people would just be like, "Yo, I'm, 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 a, I'm sorry, man. I'm a bit, uh, I'm, a, I, I, I was wrong about you or whatnot." Double cutter off of the ropes onto Danielson and Claudio. The teamwork that Jericho and Sammy did uh, in this match to kind of re, re uh, bring together uh, the, uh, the, their tag team and everything like that. Um, Danielson and Claudio killed it. The like they got a twinkle in their eyes. When they had that moment where they faced off, and then they were gonna like they had to they were gonna just these two BCC guys were gonna tee off on each other. It's outstanding. Um, eventually, the match gets going and going, and of course, Sammy eventually has a bit of a turning moment on uh, Jericho, which is awesome. I loved when that happened as well. But eventually, Sammy uh, uh, there was a great moment where Sammy tried to hit a Spanish fly onto Danielson. It got turned into the Bell Lock, which then Jericho broke up. Um, there was a, a neutralizer on the floor on Danielson, which was crazy. Um, and then Sammy jumped down onto Claudio. But eventually, though, when Sammy gets thrown up in the air and just fucking gets whacked by a European uppercut, uh, he's in the spin until Jericho comes in trying to hit the Judas effect real quick as he dives over while he's doing the spin. Kind of just throws his entire body into him instead of just connecting with the elbow. Regardless, though, he gets him back up, hits him with another Judas effect that does connect properly, and Jericho retains. Which, again, I came into this match knowing that that was going to probably most likely be the outcome. Um, but the match was still really good. Everyone got a lot of cool shit in this match. 
Um, and we would see further implications with the BCC going down uh, the rest of the show. Um, and yeah, no, I just thought it was a it was a nice little match uh, for this title. Um, and again, I love four ways that AEW does for championships on pay-per-views. They always turn out to be tons of fun, just high action, constantly moving. So my problem, this is going to be the same with our appreciation part of this podcast. It was never about Sammy wrestling. It was never. never about his talent. And then people later tried to start making it about that, saying he couldn't wrestle and all that stuff. But it was like, it was there was clearly an agenda that I don't like what this guy did in his personal life. So now he can't do anything in wrestling great. And great people like friend of the show, One Nation Radio's Rich Lotta, called them out on their shit. Like, Sammy Guevara can wrestle. And guess what this match showed? And by the end of it, everybody's like, oh, shit. Hey, this dude's really good. Because, you know, these the same people that were marking out for him when he beat Miro, they're still there. They just decided they hated him. <laughs> and, yeah. now, and now they were remind remind them who you are, Sammy. And he did. He is Sammy freaking Guevara. Like, I, Rich's favorite line is don't count out Chris Jericho, right? You never count out Chris Jericho. He's always going to put on a great match. And then you got Cesaro, who's one of the best in-ring performers probably of our generation. He's like one of the more underrated, but he's clearly one of the best in-ring performers of our generation. He's he's your wrestler's favorite wrestler. You know, everybody like, once they wrestle him, they're like, I love Cesaro, right? And then Brian Danielson. There's There's not enough adjectives. <laughs> to describe how good Brian Danielson is at this thing. So you put four amazing wrestlers in the ring together. Guess what you're going to get? An amazing match. I like the timing on everything, especially when Sammy hit, you know, Sammy hit the knee, uh, go to hell or whatever. He hit it on him, on Jericho. And I was like, oh my God, he just turned on him. And I literally, for that split second, Thought Guevara was going to be your new ROH champion, and they had me on the fence. Uh, Cesar, uh, Claudio had the sharpshooter in at one point. It was just such a perfectly well done, balanced match. So when Sammy and Chris Jericho finally, like after that match, I was like, okay, Sammy should beat Chris Jericho for the ROH title. That's where I was at mentally. That's where I was. Sammy should beat Chris Jericho for the ROH title. There's, to me, like right now, there's no one else. That's how you tell this story, right? But we'll see. We'll see where it goes. But this match was great. Shout out to everybody in the match because you performed on an amazing level. And it's like, as we get to building to a final battle, it, it, like I can't wait to see what the match is going to be. But yeah. Chris Jericho is about to headline a pay-per-view for Ring of Honor in the year 2022. That's crazy. Yeah, and he just keeps doing great as the Ring of Honor champion. He really does. Now over to Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus Soraya. And this match was a was a match where, you know, it was a long time coming to this moment. And it, it just it kind of was just, you know, this match was here for what we wanted it to be, which was seeing Soraya, seeing Paige back in a wrestling ring for the first time in years. Five, like, 
had Ray in the ring. So many years we haven't seen her wrestle, and she was emotional like throughout the entire match. Um, she they really worked in on like you know her neck and like the injuries that she suffered there. Um, and Soraya did good. She did really good. Britt did a great job too of keeping her lo- Soraya looking good. Um, I don't, there was barely any points where I thought Soraya like struggled like that much. Like it, it like it seemed like yeah, there's some ring rust, but like not a ton, honestly. At least not from what I remembered, at least. Um, but regardless, there were just uh, two straight. Uh, I can't remember what she called it. Like page turner at one point i think it might have been called the 2d like the the he, like the hanging ddt where uh, she like packages uh, you up the page knockout P, uh page ko or whatever oh the pko the pko pko i don't know what she calls it now it's the yeah. soraya ko i don't know something i don't know regardless though after she hit two of those she wins uh her brother was in the audience and like it, he was just as emotional as she was um it was great. Like, again, this was a, one of the feel good moments of the night because, again, it was just so cool for somebody that thought like her career was done. Like there's no way she was going to wrestle again. She got a second chance. And I, I do think it's very similar in this regards to like, you know, when Edge got his second chance, too, because, I mean, both of them had career ending injuries that they were able to come back from. And like, am I cons- am I interested to see where Soraya goes? Absolutely. I don't know where she she'll go. I don't know what the what the process will be like. Um, but I'm excited because I think Soraya will continue to just get back into her role where she really solidifies how wherever she goes, it becomes her house because she's just entertaining as hell. Yeah, this is step one for Soraya. She got in a ring. She had a match. It was on pay-per-view. It was a million people. As far as like, I like I loved Paige when she first started wrestling, but I would have never said at any point in time that she was like the best wrestler in the world, that she was a Will Ospreay or something or a Sasha Banks or something. I would have never said that. So when I'm going into this match, my expectations were low because she hasn't wrestled in five years. This is a person she's never wrestled before. This is her first time back in front of all these people. If you saw her first promo, she even said she was nervous on that. So I was like, if she comes in here, nothing too bad happens. They put on a solid match. I'm good. That's exactly what happened. Did she? Was she a little slower than usual? Absolutely. But five years off, nervousness, butterflies, you know, this company that has believed in Paige, you know, that's backing her. You know, it's all that stuff that's going on in her head. She's a human. You know what I mean? So that all plays into it. This match was perfectly done. Britt Baker did what she had to do. Even in the press conference, Soraya, Soraya said Britt carried her. You know, perfect professional. Great match. Great finish to the match. It took two of her finishers. I think three. I think it ended up being three because I thought she had hit it earlier and Britt kicked out. So it took three of her finishers to hold Britt Baker down. Britt Baker still looks strong. Uh, Good match. Crowd was into it. Everything you wanted from her. And you know what? As she works and gets her cardio up and gets into like 100% old ring form, it's only going to get better. Yeah, no, it's it, this is only the starting point for Soraya. I mean, like I said, I'm crazy excited for where things go. We then get to uh, what I knew Floyd would be excited for, the big championship being defended by Wardlow 
against the Ring of Honor television champ Samoa Joe and Powerhouse Hobbs. Oh my god, dude. When Wardlow just fucking jumped off the top rope doing a fucking flip and then colliding himself into fucking uh into fucking all to both of the of Joe and, and Hobbs was out fucking standing. These guys were just beating the shit out of each other. Uh and Wardlow was at one point just power power bombing Hobbs repeatedly and repeatedly. However, because it's a three uh, a three man match and there's no DQs, he hits him with the uh, AEW. Cha- I mean, he hits Wardlow with the TNT title belt, and then he proceeds to get Hobbs into a chokehold. And then now Samoa Joe is the TNT champion, along with the remaining Ring of Honor World Television champion. And isn't it funny how we have two wrestling companies where somebody is a double champion and they're Samoan and their name is Joe? <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool how things work out like that. I thought this match was really good. I did exactly it did exactly what I asked it to be, which was big meaty man slapping meat. And and listen, Wardlow's still outstanding. I know this is the it's a bit of a bummer for him because his TNT title run was not anything exceptional. Um, but I think the chase for him trying to get it back from Joe uh, will be exciting because I mean we're not done with this point because Wardlow hasn't been beat. He still wants to get revenge after Joe just blindsided him for in his mindset, no reason. So, uh, no, I'm excited for Wardlow to kind of chase his way back. And I think Joe and Wardlow can do some really freaking great stuff. And I'm sure we'll see them face off for the television championship at uh, final battle would be my prediction. Um, I'm very excited for that. Yes, big meaty man slapping meat. Oh, my God. This was a great match. Uh, Just. How it was booked, uh, how it was done. You, you could see they just kind of let Warlow and uh, Warlow and Big Will work a lot of it. And you know, Samoa Joe, like the crafty veteran he is, sneaking act there. Warlow does the Power Mom Symphony. He's doing. He's dancing around, waving his arms around. It's like he forgot there was a third man in the match, and that the match was no DQ. Bam! Belt shot. Uh, Samoa Joe. Puts on the uh puts on the sleeper, which was completely unnecessary because Will Hobbs was already out in the river. He's like, okay, I mean, he's out. Match is over. He was already out. <laughs> he had just gotten power bomb twice. It was beautiful. That was not the result I saw happening. I I get why it was done because uh I feel like uh Warlow's run had fizzled out and it kind of needs a reset. So what you do, take the belt off of him. He doesn't lose, and now he has to chase back to get Samoa Joe's title. Maybe we get Wardlow and Samoa Joe at uh, Ring of Honor Final Battle. Maybe we'll not, but I am looking forward to whatever they do. Shout out to Will Hobbs, because he's looking all Will Hobbsy, all big and mean and angry. I think I would have preferred a Wardlow and Will Hobbs one-on-one match, but based on the result, I like what we got. Okay. Um sidetracking uh kenny omega just a couple just an hour ago tweeted thank you kenta always a good brother bullet club for life am i right go fuck yourself <laughs> oh okay hold, hold on hold on hold on i got a, qu- a question who invented the move sir i don't care at this point because here's the thing before that happened he motioned the go to sleep yes Kenta doesn't do that yes it's so good. Oh yeah, it's so good. Kenny Omega and Young Bucks. Like I like 
I thought I couldn't be Vietnam. This bet, like I said, this mm. better motherfucking. I, 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 I thought I could. If couldn't. it doesn't, if it doesn't, I'm burning this company and those three at the stake. We'll talk about this later next later. week when we actually you can actually watch the whole show. But dude, when you watch it and if you, you detach yourself from it, and you will see how brilliant everything was. They played, if they, they follow through, they played the crowd like a fiddle. I forgot the dude name was like Lee Garland or whatever. They used to come out and play play the uh, violin for uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. Man, they played this symphony. And it was like, he's like, you know, when he was talking earlier where he's like, it's about people trying to show their craft. It's about artists trying to show their craft. God damn it, if the lead in the hangman, or the lead in the Omega Art Masters at their craft. Dude, the fucked up buckshot. Oh my God. Oh. Either way, yes. we move now to the <laughs> AEW Interim Women's World Championship match between Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter. The crowd was completely behind Jamie in this match. Dude, y- y'all understand. You literally would have thought, in the building, you would have thought Tony Storm was the heel. Yeah. Absolutely. N- like, I understand Tony Storm had fans there. They were not vocal because <laughs> the tone of Jamie Hayter. I'm like, at one point, and this happens often when I'm shocked by you know a reaction. I stopped watching the match and started watching the crowd. They were hanging on everything Jamie Hayter did. Like, I think there would have been a literal riot if Tony Storm walked out of that, walked out the champion. Yeah, listen, wrestling fans are smitten for Jamie Hayter, so. Give them, give them what they want, um, and they did a good match. I mean, these two really worked well together. I felt like Jamie has kept getting better through every match. I feel like that I've seen her in. Um, there was one point where Rebel came out, snuck down, tried to uh, get uh, Tony Storm and beat her down a little bit uh, when the ref doesn't see it. Uh, eventually, though, uh, Rebel gets caught and uh, sees her and throws her out. Um, Tony Storm is trying to now keep going. Like, dude, she took so much cheating shit that happened to her. Like, they made sure that, like, Jamie Hayter did every possible nefarious thing that she could to beat Tony Storm. Because Tony kept kicking out of a... T- like, the, like, when Rebel hit Tony Storm with the title belt, and she kicked out of that... Her nose got broken, and she was bleeding from the nose. She still was able to kick out of stuff. There was a point where uh, Britt Baker came out and hit her with the belt. Uh, Jamie Hayter tried to hit pin Tony, but she still kicked out. Uh, Storm Zero she, uh, uh, on Jamie Hayter, she kicked out of that at one point. Uh, and then eventually just keeps going and going and going. And eventually, though, uh, Britt Baker distracts her, and uh, Jamie Hayter hits the storm uh, hits tony storm with the hate breaker and again kicked out the final thing that got her to finally beat her was when uh dr Britt baker removed the turnbuckle pad jamie haters sends tony storm directly face first into it uh ripcord lariat pinfall jamie hater wins the aw interim women's world championship and as of today as of this dynamite this was the other thing i wanted to comment on that we could at least talk about from dynamite she is now the official, legit, take the interim off AEW women because uh, mutually, Thunder Rosa relinquished her title because 
Recovery was taking longer than expected. So now Jamie Hayter is officially AEW Women's World Champion. Uh, huge, huge announcement. Hayter got an outstanding ovation when she won the belt to begin with. Um, it's big. It's huge. I mean, like, there's your women's champion now. And I'm excited to see how things go because Britt Baker is championing her completely. But I feel like there's just going to be that point where Jamie just gets stabbed in the back. And I'm really intrigued to see how things go. Um, but hey, listen. The fans have been smitten for Jamie Hayter for a very long time, and I think this is a big moment for her. And I got to say, I didn't think Jamie was going to reach this point in a while, so it's very cool to see this happen. Yeah, I thought they were going with Tony Storm. I really did. And about halfway through the match, I realized they couldn't. So (laughs) it was like, no, no, they can't. And it was so like, yeah, it was three-on-one match. In every sense of the term, it was a three-on-one match. And it was like, this was a team effort. Uh, uh, this was a team effort between, and I love when, you know, heel plans come together perfectly. This is not the first time it's going to happen tonight. I mean, not the last time it's going to happen on the pay-per-view. But, yeah, I thought it was a really well-done match. Tony Storm and uh, Jamie Rush, they fought really physical. And oh, I yeah. thought that's what it needed to be. It was very physical, uh, very good match that it built because about halfway in the match, it was like, ah, we weren't really feeling it. And towards the end, when the interference started, when they were going at each other, it just peeled to the perfect tone. So when they uh, do this match again, good Lord, it's going to be great. Yeah, I'm, I'm crazy. Now, I'm crazy excited for this. And then let, me, let me just say this. Tony Storm. Again, because I hate hate this about wrestling. It is a common wrestling trope that is as much a part of wrestling as a wrist lock. Faces have no friends. It's like you've been teaming with these people all the weeks, fighting against them, and when the match happens, <laughs> no one comes. It doesn't matter. No one comes. <laughs> no, no one, one happens. It never happens. It's like it's a. Co- it's like I don't even know why I complain about it. Because it's just as much a part of wrestling as anything. But good lord, it's annoying sometimes. <laughs> like, in this case, it was just like cheating, cheating, cheating. Which, I love cheating. Don't get me wrong. I think cheating is a essential part of wrestling. But just, maybe the person comes out and then Britt gets the better of her. Or something. But at least show that this person is not such a complete unlikable, uh, unlikable person that no one comes and help her. Yeah. That's how it comes to me. It's like, oh, Jamie Hayter has diehard friends. This person that I'm supposed to be rooting for has absolutely no friends and they give no craps about her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We then move into the semi-main event, though. The AEW World Tag Team Championships being defended by the Acclaim against Swerve and Our Glory. Uh, These... These two teams have faced off a multiple multitude of times, and they always do great stuff, and they always are incredibly entertaining. And we knew that in the back of our minds, we were like, this is the last time these teams are going to face off because Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland are no longer going to be able to be on the same page. And they were teasing it from the start of this match as well. Um, Anthony Bowens had an injured arm. He was taped up in that regard. Um, I love, too, that Daddy Ass himself, Billy Gunn, still was taped up with his freaking hands being, uh, like, chopped off by the freaking pliers by uh, Sora Strickland. Uh, he wanted to fucking go after uh, uh, Sora Strickland at one point, uh, coming down to the ring. Uh, 
but as things keep going and going and going, the match, like they were doing a ton of stuff in this though. Um, all of a sudden as uh daddy S comes out and saves them after uh swerves trying to use the pliers on, uh, Anthony Bowens, uh, then Swerve proceeds to take the pliers to give it to Keith Lee, use it on Anthony Bowens, and Keith Lee throws him down. Swerve slaps Keith Lee across the face, and he's like, nope, you fucked up. And he leaves, walks out on Swerve. Anthony Bowens is able to get some offense on. Eventually, Max Caster comes in, drop kicks him, and then uh, they plant him down uh, with a tag team finishing move, and the acclaimed retain the tag team titles. This was really good, a really good match to set up. Uh, like, like it was a, like a really great semi-main. I think this, the placement of this was great. Um, and yeah, we finally get Swerve in our glory. Uh, I loved it while it was lasted, but it's dead now, and I'm very happy about that because Keith Lee, I want in singles competition ASAP, Rocky. Um, and yeah, I, Swerve is going to be one of the best skills that AEW has. He already is. Uh, and yeah, I'm excited to see what happens now moving forward with. Sort of, uh, with uh, the acclaimed as they are still your AEW Tag Team Champions. I thought this was a really, really good tag match. Um, just in the back of my mind, I was like, man, if FTR was in this match, though. So, uh, yes, you know, I was, you know, those three letters were going to pop up at some point in my discussion of this match. Now, I would not say this was a five-star match ever, right? But this was a perfectly booked match. And I think that there's a difference between a five-star match and a perfectly booked match. This match hit every tone, every emotion, everything that you needed to, to tell the story that you were trying to tell. To the point of Swerve and his diabolical heel thing, he's like, you know, even the story in the promo where Keith Lee is like, I don't need to cheat. I am the cheat code. And finally, Swerve just had enough. He didn't think there was a clean claim kept kicking out. There was, he didn't see any way to beat them other than to cheat. And Keith Lee is like, dude, if we can't beat him without cheating, we're going to lose. He's okay with that. And Swerve's like, no, we're not going to lose. And he slaps the shit out of Keith Lee. And Keith Lee being able being able to be a monster, understood that his friend got caught up in emotion. So I'm not gonna murder you right now. But I am gonna I'm done. I'm out. And he leaves. And then of course the acclaim just, you know, hits that fantastic finishing move. I, I don't even know what to call it. And uh which turned into like a flipping power bomb. Very good move. And get the three, and then they win and celebrate, and it's a great moment. You know, the second best tag team in AEW are your tag team champions, and that is a great moment. Uh, shout out to uh, the acclaim because you know what? When you talk about homegrown, amazing talent, there is no more homegrown than the acclaim. I mean, there could be equally homegrown, but there's no more homegrown than acclaim. Nobody was jocking to sign Anthony Bowens. No one, I don't feel like anybody was jockeying to sign Max Caster. I hadn't heard that. And then Tony put them together, made magic, and now they're telling a great story. That's okay. That was my, hey, I'm being even. This is, you know, me being calm and telling a story. Yeah, FTR should have been in this match. FTR should have dropped to everybody because FTR is better than everybody in this match. This is trash. 
these these are two okay tag teams. Uh, you know, right now the AEW World Title is a consolation prize for the second. Well, let's see, fifth best tag team in AEW, not in the world. The fifth best tag team in AEW is the AEW Tag Team Champions right now. There you there go. You go. <laughs> Main event time, though. Main event time, though. John Moxley versus MJF for the AEW World Championship. Um, Max completely babyface in this match. Everyone was behind him. Moxley basically ran in there and was just like, yeah, fuck you guys. Like, I've always been an anti-hero to begin with. Um, fuck you. Like, he went, he healed it up a ton in this match. They were really focusing in on, on MJF's leg and kind of really beating him down at that point. Uh, Moxley at one point even hit a paradigm shift, uh, throwing him into the turnbuckles, though. And uh, just stomping and stomping and stomping on him. Um, there was a, a tombstone pile driver on the apron hit hit by MJF, which was pretty rough. Uh, it was um, another point though, but it's still that's when he injured his leg. And then Maxley proceeded to take him, pile drived him off the apron through a table uh, that was to be outside, uh, and then. Uh, we keep going into this as well, and Max is, again, kicking ass and all that kind of stuff and kind of working his way in, but then they just start beating the shit out of each other, but then Max, there was like two separate ref bumps in this part. Uh, Max pulls out the dynamite diamond ring, the thing he said he wasn't going to use, he said he wasn't, he didn't need it, and William Regal comes out. Uh, and he's like, don't you fucking use that. Don't you fucking use that. What did we say? What did I tell you all this time? What did I tell you all this time? Um, he threw it away. He actually didn't use it. Moxley then gets the bulldog choke in. And again, another referee gets knocked down. Max is tapping out, but the ref doesn't see it. During that time period, though, when Mox is like being told by the about the referee by Regal, the brass knuckles get slid into the ring by Regal to MJF. Mox gets hit in the head. MJF off of the brass knuckles from Regal. Like this man to my uh, right said, uh, just going into this pay-per-view, with help from Regal, AEW world champion, brand new world champion, MJF, the devil got his due, and he got help from the Blackpool bastard himself, William Regal, and it's outstanding. It's outstanding. But unfortunately, MJF once again had the spotlight stolen from him on his big moment because people still can't stop talking about CM Punk and the Elite. Sorry. Don't blame me. Blame those three dickheads and some fans. Floyd, go ahead. I'm going to take a slow victory lap. It's not the full old victory lap. It's a slow one. Because as I got to New Jersey, I realized everybody thought this was going to go down. This way, I thought I came up with this. I thought I came up with this original, amazing. Like I was Nostradamus or something, dude. Everybody was waiting on William Regal to handle hand MJF the brass knucks. I'm like the only way they should could have surprised him is William Regal not hand MJF the brass knucks. That match, like I'm like, oh my god, that's exactly how I did it. And then like everybody was like, yeah. So we all, everybody knew that was coming. Yeah, you know, so, you know, cool. Yeah, I called it, but apparently, you know, everybody could see that. 
No, but I uh, tried to give you props, but yeah, no, most people had that thought. Dude, I, guess. I, I was like, I was looking on social media, and it was like my 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 jaw dropping, shocking prediction was literally everybody's prediction. <laughs> Sometimes that's how it goes, man. <laughs> Everybody saw this coming. This is the the worst kept secret <laughs> in wrestling, as as Cody mentions about his uh, appearances, like. The worst kept secret. Everybody saw it coming. I'm taking no... I, it, all my pride of it was taken away before the match even started because everybody was saying the same thing. But uh, shout out to MJF. I shout out to Moxley. Dude, they literally came in and worked the heel. Mox was the heel. MJF was the face. All the way to the end. All the way to the end through the match. Uh, MJF was the baby face in peril and he did a great job at it and Mox was a heel which we all know Mox is really good at professional wrestling and then so so when William Regal slapped down like like everybody stand up and everybody's like oh man now, you know in their mind they're like the crowd's gonna turn on MJF not one person turned on MJF no <laughs> he hit him with that brass ducks and everybody's like oh my god you would have thought you would have thought he hit him with some devastating move to finish him and he wanted clean in the middle one, two, three. It was supposed to turn MJF Hill. It just made him bigger for baby face. William Regal is the biggest face on the planet. It was amazing. So there was this cool thing that happened after the show. And I think they showed it on the video, right? So Mox is out cold in the middle of the ring, right? Here comes Willa Yuta. Here comes uh Claudio. And then here comes Danielson, right? So Mox is out, and they start waking him up and tapping him. Like, Mox is like, kind of like, what happened? And they told him what happened, and he just starts throwing his fist. He feel like, fuck, I can't believe that happened. And it was just such a master tone of staying in character all the way until you were back. It was so subtle. Nobody cares about it, but it was just beautifully done. It just took me to another level of respect for Mox. It was like, of course, you just got hit with brass knucks. All you know is that you got knocked out, right? If, you know, to shoot, all you know that you got knocked out. So, of course, you're not going to know what happened to you until someone tells you. And your friends just told you that your mentor, you don't trust a lot of people, that the guy you actually put your faith into screwed you over. Oh, yeah. And then his reaction was perfect and on time. And that's kind of how the show went off. And they sent us home, and everybody was cheesing, big-ass smiles on their face. Man, uh, perfectly done, main event. The devil, oh, well, I don't even know who's the devil at this point. I'm guessing William Regal's the devil. But whoever's mm -hmm. the devil at this point is at the top. MJF is in his <laughs> rifle spot, the first pillar to be AEW world champion that is how you build a company. He he could be your champion for the next year easily, throwing random babyface challenges against them. I'm looking forward to it. As am I. This is huge. This is outstanding. The match was great. The moment was amazing. Uh, it's huge. It's awesome. I'm I'm so happy for this because it's it's so exciting, and I mean this is a big moment too. But I also went went into this match knowing that. This was supposed to be punk in this match, but I at this point, like I said, don't care. But I just was like, hey, remember when this was what was supposed to be the outcome? Funny how things work, I guess. But that was Full Gear 2022. It was a really, really good show. 
Um, I don't think it was necessarily better than uh, some of the other shows that we've had recently. Um, I think out of the four pay-per-views that we've gotten this year, I think it might rank like probably third for me, at least right now, of the pay-per-views this year. Um, I think I would rank it higher than All Out at this point. Um, But yeah, I thought that uh, this show was a lot of fun, really, really good. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll be able to give my full thoughts on dynamite next week. Dude. Yeah. Uh, you know, another style, another amazing, uh, pay-per-view experience. I am always, you know, since I'm there, it's always a 10 for me. You know what I mean? And people are Absolutely. like, that's the same like, thing with me with double or nothing. Yeah. It's like people are like, Oh, I didn't think it was this great. And I'm like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. That show was amazing. It was perfect. Was it four hours? Was it? It was four hours. I was like, I don't know. It felt like this one. This one actually went a little bit quicker than I than I like than I thought. Yeah, it felt like thirty minutes to me. I was like, I gotta go home already. This is great. And then I did the crazy thing where, of course, I just went and jumped on the train, got back to New York, and then slept. But it was kind of cool because I was on the train, rocking my AEW hat and AEW stuff, and. Just a whole better met a whole bunch of people had a lot of good conversations about AEW, and it was cool. And they were like, "Oh, where are you from?" And I'm like Oklahoma, and they're like, "Oh, you came a long way." And I'm like, "Yes, that that is, I, I yes, that is correct." But yes, it was, it's just such an amazing moment. I, I even said it. I, I I get to I walk in, and, you know, I walk into the show, and then I I see my people. I see Jackie, the New Jersey's on the, the greatest New Jerseyan ever. Miss Jackie Rodriguez, and I see her, and we're hanging out with Kyle and Phil, and, you know, it's just, then Kimmy's there, and it's just such a, it's like, AEW is kind of like, it's kind of home to me, it's like, then I I see Sam, and then Grillo, and uh, Dean get to say hi to them, Uh, got to give Melissa uh, the target Sammy for JJ, who was not happy that MJF won. So he was not in a good mood when I had that figure, <laughs> and I loved it because that's how and it's wrestling, and you know it's like. And then I'm on the ground, I get to hug Chrissy, and it's just like that's just like to me, it's just everything to me. It's like as long as I can afford it, I'm gonna keep going to AEW shows because it. it I mean, the show is amazing. That's why I'm there. It's why I'm there, but the. The knowing everybody just being in this comfort zone of just seeing it just makes everything better. This is my first time in a very long time not being on the floor for the pay per view. Dave kept me company, it was great, and probably not going to ever happen again. I'm just saying, it was, right. it's just like it's like when you have a, fl- a filet mignon and it's cooked by the greatest chef ever, and then. You have a steak cooked by anybody else, and it's like, oh, that steak's really, really, really good, but it's not the other steak. <laughs> so no, I will, I will probably be going back to the floor soon. But it was a great show, great show. There you go. All right, well, we have a little bit of headlines that we want to get to real quick. And again, like I said, Dynamite review will be on next week's podcast episode. Apologies, I can't get to it sooner. I've been all different kinds of busy, and this show's already gone pretty long, so. Floyd, go ahead. Give us what other headlines that we have for. Well, right just a little tidbits trailer for the AEW Fight Forever released. 
Uh, they should be coming out with a release date sometime soon. AEW Revolution uh, announced for March 5th at the Ch Chase Center in San Francisco. Uh, what they're going to do is the first and the third, it's going to be at the Cow Palace. That's where they're down Dynamite Rampage. And the Sunday the 5th will be, uh, Sunday the 5th will be the actual pay-per-view. If it goes by what's traditional, the 4th will be a fan fest at some convention center. So that's the news. All right. Well, then that will close us out on this episode of All Things Elite. Guys, thank you so much for listening and continuing to follow the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, please keep downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. And if you listen to us on Spotify or wherever you choose to listen to us, please give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. And also leave a rating and a review and let us know how we are doing. Um, and again, follow us on social media. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter at Social Suplex, other guys that make this show possible. Please check out all the other shows they have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And as I try to decompress from my anger, uh, from all this mucky mess, uh, Floyd, who has been enjoying every last second of all this, will take us home on this episode of all things elite. I hope y'all have a great Thanksgiving. I was going to say, it's not a long message today. We did the show on Thanksgiving. We hope if you have time or you got some downtime today or this weekend, you can go ahead and take a listen. So I'll just say to you, happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy food, family, and football. And But most importantly, do what I always do, whether it is home, work, or school. Always do your best to be elite. <laughs>